Well, I have a uh, 2020 automobile purchasing rule that has served my family very well for the past uh, number of years that we've used it. The 2020 rule means I won't spend over $20,000 for a car, and the car has to get 20 miles per gallon or better. There's the 2020. And for years, most of my family has driven Civics, and that's how we do the 2020 uh, thing. And re recently, though, when our family was in need of our next uh, vehicle, family vehicle, which happened to be for me, I made a serious error. I, I started scanning the Sunday paper, and there were hundreds of ads sporting bright, shiny vehicles. And this kind of cluttered my brain a bit and formed a, this new message in my head. Instead of 2020, it was like, uh, buy what you want. And then my wife, she was no help. Denise, she added her two cents. She says, you always help everybody else. Why don't you get what you want this time? And my son piled on, and he said, Dad, you've always wanted a Jeep. I really have always wanted a Jeep. So we went looking. Those things are so expensive. I am not going to spend what most of you people spend on a vehicle. I'm not going to do it. However, my son spotted a used Jeep a red used Jeep, bright red. And just like I can imagine, Eve lusting after that bright red apple in the Garden of Eden. I was fixated on the Jeep, and, and the previous owner had really souped it up. It was this lift and monster wheels and multiple add-ons, most of which I don't even know what they're for, but it really looked cool. And did I mention it was red? Well, I debated for about four hours. No kidding. I just said, and there was a battle in my cluttered mind between the 2020 rule that had served us so well and these other messages screaming at me, get what you want. And, and after four hours, being the spiritual man that I am, I, I bought it. <laughs> and uh, wasn't very long till reality set in. Payment was a bit high. Well, duh, I exceeded my 20,000. Wasn't by a lot, but by some. And it doesn't get 16 or 18 miles to the gallon, you know, close to that other 20 marker there is advertised. I think it gets like two miles to the gallon, something like that. And, and then lastly, why is a 55-year-old fat pastor driving around in a cool red Jeep? It's like, come on, man. Well, what happened? Well, in addition to the midlife crisis thing, and that's another sermon, but too many messages from advertisers and others' opinions and TV commercials and web ads and the paper and the dark angel sitting on your shoulder whispering in your ear, get what you want, get what you want. And these messages sabotage the one message that has always made that practical part of my life, at least in recent years, it's made it work. And so just a side note before I go on, I know this guy that's selling a red Jeep gets great gas mileage, so, well, never mind. Everyone wants to make life work. But there are competing messages vying for your attention that will clutter your mind and lure you away from the one message that will actually make your life work. And clutter is the problem, and I'll tell you why. According to the New York Times, the average person is bombarded with 5,000 messages a day. 
Advertising expert Dr. Jay Walker Smith commented, clutter is a fundamental problem for us. It runs head on to, head into the ever constant cognitive capacity of humans. In other words, all these messages, Google ads and Instagram explorer page and online discussion boards and TV commercials and radio ads and promoted tweets and Facebook banner ads and billboards and talk shows and best friends opinions and on and on it goes. All of it is cognitive clutter. And I have a front row seat to it here. Watching message after message lure many of you into a life that doesn't work. And it's why some are even miserable. Cognitive clutter can happen to any of us. Happen to me, can happen to you. And so many messages will get you off message of the one thing that can actually make your life work. So I want to say to you today, come on, man, we can do better. Cognitive clutter is exactly what derailed followers of Christ in the province of Galatia, where the message of Christ had changed so many lives, but then they got off track, and here's what happened. The Galatians were originally from Celtic ancestry, and for centuries, they were a warring tribe of very pagan people, and while influenced during biblical times by a more sophisticated Greek culture, the, the Galatians at heart could be characterized by their enjoyment of what an urban dictionary defines as a rager. Large, wild gatherings, celebrations happened often, parties, mostly fueled by some kind of drug, mainly alcohol. Well, the Galatians liked to indulge. Now, sociologists today warn that these kind of extreme gatherings that the Galatians were part of, these kind of things, they're dangerous. They lead to inevitable fights and inhibitions get deteriorated and sexual misconduct is likely, maybe even criminal if you're not careful, and it ain't good. One scholar confirmed a list of this kind of indulgent behavior in the raging Galatians. Sexual immorality, impurity. Lustful pleasures, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, drunkenness, wild parties, debauchery, ragers. The end result is not pleasure, but guilt and emptiness and poor relationships and addiction. And the, the list is endless there. Characteristics that when you experience them, make most folks feel uh, unworthy of God. And you add religion to it, most religions add the burden of keeping a bunch of rules to be good enough for God. Well, this was the message that was playing in the Galatians' brain, unworthy, not good enough. These are the message, messages that play in some of our brains sometimes. And here's what happens, because when you know you can't live up to religion, you live it up for yourself just to feel good. And why not? If you can't please God and God's mad at you and he's in heaven, you can never measure up. Why not just do whatever you want to do? And you give in to the 5,000 other messages coming your way every day bent 
on keeping you in a life that does not work. But when the Apostle Paul traveled to Galatia, he had a brand new message called the gospel of grace. Now, the traditional definition of grace is unmerited favor. And here's here's what that means. It means no matter how badly you've sinned or what mistakes you've made, or even if you're a Galatian rager, God loves you. God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that whoever, look at that, whoever, whoever means you, it means the person that lives in your neighborhood, across the street, the person that works next to you, it means whoever believes in him, not lives up to him, but believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. That's grace. A life you do not deserve, but a life that actually works. Man, when the Galatians heard this message, this message of grace, it was so completely different. It changed everything for them. It can change everything for you. Paul's message turned ragers into engagers of grace. It was all good. The Galatians were excited. New followers of Christ. And then it happened. Cognitive clutter. I mean, even though there was no social media in that day or TV or billboards or internet and et cetera, a barrage of messages bombarded the Galatians. For some, it was the message of unbridled lusts calling them back to an empty, temporary pleasure of life that had never worked for them, but it was calling them back. For others, here in chapter one in particular, it was, it was a legalistic religious message. Yeah, that's so interesting. Religion was the problem. A religion that you have to keep every rule or God won't love you or God will not accept you. All of these messages together begin to turn the Galatians away from God's one message of grace, the one thing that had finally made their lives work and they were turning away. So Paul addressed the issue in chapter 1 and verse 6. We begin by reading, Paul says, I I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. That's grace. You're following a different way, different messages. Pretends to be the good news. Paul was concerned that there were too many bright red messages. Cognitive clutter leading the Galatians off message of that one thing that could make their lives work. He said, I am shocked. And that Greek word, you know, New Testament was written in Greek. Very colorful word here, the word shock. The word picture here is of someone's mouth that is wide open like they are dumbfounded. Paul's saying right here, come on, man. He is dumbfounded that this has happened to them. What was Paul shocked at? Well, this turning away. The actual phrase in the English, turning away, is two words, but in the Greek, it's just one word. 
And it's an interesting word because it's, it's used throughout the scriptures to mean like um, changing allegiance. It'd be like on one day you're a Republican and the next day you're a Democrat. You just change completely in an instant. Or one day you're a follower of Christ and in an instant you become an atheist. Or one day you're a Spur fan and instantly you're a Laker fan. And then you're not saved. (laughs) Paul was dumbfounded that the Galatians had changed allegiance just like that. He, He says... So soon, the, the, this, the Greek word here is tachios, which we get our word tachometer, which means uh, the measurement of rotation speed. <laughs> what Paul is saying here is, he's just dumbfounded. The Galatians changed their allegiance at warp speed. That's what all these other messages did to them. They changed their allegiance from God. God who had sent his only son to die on the cross to forgive their sins. God who had changed their lives from ragers to engagers of grace. God who had promised them eternal life. God who had promised them that they would matter, and they did. God who loved them and promised to never leave them or forsake them. God who orchestrated a masterpiece out of their messed up lives. The Galatians... Let the clutter of other messages distort the one message that was finally making their lives work. And Paul, with a mouth wide open in disbelief, said, come on, man. This can can happen to any of us. I have a friend who was in an abusive relationship as a young lady, and at one point her significant other put a gun to her head, threatened to kill her. It was bad drugs and all kinds of craziness was going on and she had heard about the church she came to city church long story short she heard a message of grace and it changed her life I mean it just changed her forever and she began to grow strong in the Lord and met and married the right guy and everything was good until religious messages religious messages coming from all different places began to lure her away from her own story of grace She became so religious that I didn't like being around her. You ever know anybody like that? Well, we had a conversation about it, and that all got fixed and everything. But this is exactly what happened to the Galatians. They switched allegiance from God's grace to religion. And Paul was having none of it. I don't like it. He was astonished by it. At that same time, or about that same time, there's another guy in the church who, his story's incredible. He's a drug addict and all kinds of craziness going on in his life and heard the message of grace here, changed everything completely. It was so awesome. Until he hit a few bumps in the road and started listening to messages from the past that lured him back to his former life. A life that did not work then and is not working now. This too happened to the Galatians. All kinds of messages out there trying to lure you in different directions. And so Paul warned, verse 7, you are being 
fooled. In other words, these messages out there, they're a lie, they're not the truth. Now, the actual word for fooled right there, this is interesting. It's, it's another one of those colorful Greek words that has a word picture with it. It's the word for being agitated. You know, in the old days, uh, washing machines had an agitator. You remember this? Yes? It was the center column in the, in the machine that agitated side to side, or, or a lot of times up and down. The up and down ones were the best ones, I think. And the friction of agitation removed dirt, and it cleaned the clothes, and that was a good thing. But for the Galatians, agitation was actually a bad thing because incessant messages bombarding them were agitating out the one message of grace that had changed their lives. Agitation. And when this happened to the Galatians, Paul responded in this way, verse nine. I say again what I have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news, and that's just one example of messages coming from the outside, then the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. This strong word right here, let that person be cursed. Some of you have heard this word before. It's a Greek word here, anathema. We don't use it a lot in English, but sometimes you hear it. That's the Greek word here, anathema, which really, literally means put a curse on, or you know, like the evil eye, you know, like you just, you, you put the curse on this thing. Figuratively, here in the scripture, it means to identify this thing as unwanted or banned or shunned or gotten rid of or blackballed. In other words, ban other messages that agitate out of your life God's message of grace. Get rid of it. And that's what I'm asking you to do. That is my big ask of you this week to ban other messages that are agitating the one message of God's grace out of your life. It's the only message that's gonna make your life work. Say no to the message that says get what you want, when you want, for whatever you want. Come on, man, say no. Discard the message that is luring you back to your old destructive ways. Come on, man, discard that message. Get rid of the message that says you deserve to have it even if it means extreme debt. Come on, man, get rid of that. Forget the message that makes you feel like trash. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. You know the saying, God don't make junk. You're not junk, God knows who you are and he loves you. Get rid of that message. Shun the message that demands religious perfection to be made right with God. Grace says it ain't so. Bar the message that tells you temporary pleasure is better than hard work and good decisions. The apostle Paul is clear on this. Curse every message that agitates God's message of grace out of you. Because if you don't, your life will not work. It won't work right. Paul said, I'm dumbfounded. Come on, man. Get clear on the one message that will change your life forever. In the 1997 cinematic hit, a good Will Hunting. 20-year-old Will Hunting, played by Matt Damon, 
is a self-taught genius with a photographic memory and this incredibly unprecedented high IQ. In the movie, Will solved a math equation that only two people in the world could solve. He was brilliant. But Will's upbringing was hard. He, He was abused, severely abused by his father, taxied to multiple foster care homes where sometimes the abuse continued. He was arrested a number of times before 20 years of age and spent most of his days with his three buddies drinking and picking up chicks. Will was a rager. All the messages playing in Will's mind were negative. He would never let anyone into his heart or into his mind. He'd always push people away, believing that they would eventually push him away. So he did it first. And he was angry, and he was arrogant, and he was very hard, 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 and self-indulgent. His life did not work. Well, Will was ordered by a court judge to see a therapist, Dr. Sean McGuire, who was played by Robin Williams. And session after session after session, Dr. McGuire tried to break through the hardness of Will's heart, but to no avail. Too many messages had sabotaged Will's life, and it kept him from the one message that could change his life. Until Dr. McGuire discerned that one message that did change Will's life forever. So, uh, you know, what is it like? Will has an attachment disorder? Is it all that stuff? Fear of abandonment? Is that why, uh, is that why I broke up with Skylar? I didn't know you had. I did. You want to talk about it? No. Hey, Will. I don't know a lot. You see this? All this. This is not your fault. Yeah, I know that. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Oh my god. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. The one message that would change Will's life forever was a message of grace. It's not your fault. And the message of grace is the only message that will make 
your life work. All the other messages are distorting God's message of grace for you. Would you join me in prayer? And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just in the final few moments that we have together, this is what I'd like to ask you to do. God, help me to hear the message of grace and embrace it and receive it. You can pray that prayer right where you are right now. No matter what you've done, who you are, where you come from, the Bible says where sin did abound, in other words, where sin was huge, grace did much more abound. In other words, grace is bigger. You can receive that right now. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our prayer team is going to be down front here and in the video cafe. And I'm going to ask you, uh, don't leave this property if you need to pray with someone or talk with someone. God wants to extend his grace to you. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He wants to extend his grace to you. I want to say thank you for being here. Remember before you leave today to give the tithe first. The blessing is attached, and we appreciate when you do that. Next week, we're going to continue through Galatians with our Come On Men series. Galatians chapter 2 in a talk called White Jesus. If you like controversy, you don't want to miss next week, all right? Will we see you here? Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.